In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's a mid-corona, mid-lockdown, mid-break podcast. And I'm here with Jack Duffin, who's lost loads of weight and had a haircut. I'm here with Ian in Chicago, whose hair's out of control. And I'm here with myself, who looks like a bad Eminem stroke, uh, Ric Flair. How is everyone? Jack, how are you? I'm good. Um, it feels like ages since we've recorded, and it probably is, but... Uh... There's not been much going on, um, a few little bits and pieces which we'll get to, but uh, no, it's, everything is ticking long, one step nearer to uh, getting back out into the world, which is uh, exciting. Obviously, outside of NFL, it's gone mad, and uh, hopefully it'll all sort itself out. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to talk too much about coronavirus, lockdown, protest. Ian, 30 seconds, how is Chicago? Have you seen any rioting? Uh, yeah, we've had a little bit here and there. Um, you know, people are just doing what they do, and the, the men of the you know the men in the blue they're trying their best, obviously, to do what they can. You know, obviously, we have personal connections uh, with some of the law enforcement authorities here in Chicago. You know, we're just praying for their safety at this point. Everything, while you know, pro- property may be damaged. You know, we haven't had any loss of life uh, further than obviously the incidents, but. It's one of those ones where, you know, my dad always told me at a very young age, MYOB, mind your own business. I stay at home. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to get out there and, you know, get in the way of a lot of stuff. So for me, it's just easier to sit back and support who I can, however I can. Oh, excellent. Well, look, Jack, anything you want to talk about? Or should we go straight into the Browns? Straight into the Browns. Oh, excellent. Let's start off with Paul's panic linebacker room. We have not signed a vet linebacker yet. Should, should I be worried or not? Jack, what's your view? The reason you shouldn't be worried is because there was a press conference this week. Uh, well, uh, can you call a Zoom conference press conference? I'm going to yes, call it a press conference. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend, Joe Woods basically just said, linebackers are pointless, everything's awesome. We're going to move, not, not to a nickel. We're not going to move to a nickel. So a nickel <laughs> is five DBs and two linebackers. We're going all the way. We're going where the NFL should be. We're going to play dime. That's where he wants to be. He said he's not going to rush it, which is sensible. You want to sort of develop there, but he wants to get to six DBs, one linebacker. And that's where the NFL should be. And that's, we're just talking about a base. And when we talk about a base, the base on offense is massive across the league. It's three wide receivers. So when you think what you're defending, we're defending three wide receivers. What are we doing against that? Forget all the other packages. You need to focus on what you're doing against the main package. And for me, three safeties, three cornerbacks, perfect sense. Your three cornerbacks match up and you get three safeties to do loads of cool stuff. And uh, the old school days, and lots of people listen to this and think, well, linebackers stop the run. Linebackers don't stop the run. We saw it with the uh, Ravens last year. The three games where the most DBs were on the field, what happened? 
those were the three losses Lamar Jackson faced last season. So it, it, the idea that you need linebackers to stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens is prehistoric. If you think that way, go and learn more because there's so much amazing content out there. Linebackers are not there solely to stop the run. Hey, have someone like Phillips. Um, the other guy, I've, I've lost his name, begins with EJ G. Goodson. Goodson. Um, just a missile. One linebacker out there and go, look, you go destroy something. That, for me, is wonderful. What's your views on that? Yeah, it's, it's ironic, you know, because after Joe Woods' press conference and Jack sent his elation messages, you know, it was one of those things where we had been talking about it before, you know, specifically with the Ravens, who, ironically enough, run a lot of 21 and 22 personnel, um, which we're talking about running backs and tight ends. So the Steelers and the Ravens are not huge three wide receiver teams. Now the Ravens are going to be a little different this year because they don't have Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews. So you may see a little bit more 11 personnel out of them. But to Jack's point, we could have when you have a guy like maybe a, like a Grant Delpit who can kind of play that flex safety, you know, Sam, Will, he can kind of move around and you kind of Swiss Army knife him. Um, you're going to see a lot of the dime packages. But, yeah, like you said, ironically enough, as long as you have a linebacker that can make the play and let him run free, you can have him run spy on Lamar and let the other guys do what they do and make him pass. The question is, can you make the tackle in the open field? Obviously, with Joe Burrow and Ben Roethlisberger, we don't have to worry about that as much. But, yeah, you're going to see the Bengals a lot in 11 personnel. Steelers will probably be in 22 Um a good minute of time, maybe 21 or 12, just because they signed Eric Ebron. Um, so the Browns defense could actually be more in like a nickel base within the division, whereas they go dime when they're playing a lot of the other ones because only, you know, two or maybe, I'm sure I think maybe Cincinnati's probably the only team that's going to be predominant 11 personnel. Is that right? So I'll give you the numbers using um, shop stats. Um, this is just last season, all – um, whether it's a run or pass. Uh, we do Baltimore first. So Baltimore was 47%, which is quite low in the league for 11 personnel. Um, and then I'll just do the ones that are 15% or more. So they did 18% in 12, which is um, one running back, two tight ends. And then they did um, 15% in 22. So it's just under half, which yeah, is, is on the low side, but it's still half. Um, we'll look to Cincinnati, which was 76% in 11 personnel and then it was 12 personnel 18 and then if we look for Pittsburgh well the wild thing on Cincinnati is that's even without AJ Green so mm -hmm. now that he's back you know Sean McVay and the Rams which is where Zach Taylor came from that's going to be 11 personnel all day long yeah so if we look to Pittsburgh as the final one in the division they're looking 70% in 11 um, and then they're only one over 15% is 20% in 12. So just as a league average, you're looking at 60% in 11, 20% in 12, and then everything else is basically nothing. So those are the two packages you need to defend. How am I going to defend 11 personnel and 12 personnel? Quite frankly, the rest, put it on hold. You can't prioritize it. Obviously, you're basically just in a sub-package defense. So focus on those two. Everything else, pretty much, don't ignore it, but it's more of a niche thing, a small thing, something you might throw in a mix for. You're actually focused on how do we stop 11 personnel. You stop 11 personnel, you're going to be doing phenomenal on defense. Really look for them to go with quarters. For all the people out there listening, if you want to know what the Browns are going to do defensively, get very versed with quarters, which basically takes the field defensively and divides it up into fourths quarters obviously 
Left quarter, two in the middle, one on the right. That's what the Browns are going to do. Cover one, cover three, quarters principles, six-man dime system, stuff like that. That's what you're going to see. Yeah. And quick question, guys. If we play a dime formation, everyone's healthy. Who do you think the starting linebacker would be then? So Goodson and Wilson. So if it's dime, then I think their starting one is Goodson and they're going to look across this year to develop Phillips and Phillips will replace Goodson because Goodson's on a one-year deal. I think then when they're playing um, nickel and they bring on the second linebacker, that's when you probably bring Wilson in. Um, But they've more or less said there's a battle there between Taki Taki and Wilson. And then, yeah, if you're going to bring the third linebacker in, that's probably where you put Taki Taki at Sam. And uh, if we're playing dime, everyone's healthy. What are our starting uh, defensive backs? You're going to have Ward, Greedy, Kevin Johnson, Grant Delpit, Andrew Sadejo, and Carl Joseph. Those are probably your top six right now. I think a lot will will depend on sort of who we're up against and what they want to do because when you've got six really good safeties, you can start matching up. So you might go a bit like when the Browns played Julio and went, actually, TJ Carey, you're you're going to go take Julio. They'll be able to do lots of really awesome stuff and that will give you lots of flexibility. And the, the advantage you've got with a safety, and because we know there's so much of a passing and stuff in the league, rather than the linebacker, you've got someone who's predominantly there to protect against the pass. But then if there's a run, they can blitz. They can drop in there and get a tight end. They can get a cornerback. It gives you a lot more flexibility. We're not talking much of a variation in size. Anything from a mindset of having that player that's going, look, I'm I'm more interested in stopping the pass. And if you can stop the pass, I don't really care how much running you do. It's not as productive. All the numbers say it's not good. Um, There was a chart that's shooting around the internet of like, the cumulative value of all the running teams have done since, I think it was 2002, every team is massively in negative because, hey, it's it's just not a good idea. So it's a great place to be. Have a base of dime against 11. And for me, you have the three safety base and then you just match cornerbacks against however many um, wide receivers there are and you just run that number up and down. And for me, hey, if they're playing um, 12 personnel, then have two go to um, nickel as a base and play against that. So uh, have your flexibility. Yeah, it's what Belichick's been doing for years. That's the whole concept with the Jets where he was seeing ghosts is you kind of have this amoeba defense where guys are standing up, they're moving around. Belichick was playing uh, dime even with that like six line or with a linebacker is that six one where he was playing in coverage. I mean, you can really get creative with where you're going to send pressure especially if people know that Miles Garrett's going to be on one side. You have Sheldon Richardson, Ogan Joby, Jordan Elliott. You know, you have these guys across your front, um, Olivier Vernon, or possibly if they go Clowney, that's another thing. You're going to have those guys that you know are rushing, and then you can create all of these different pressure packages if you want to send an extra guy, and you can have them come from anywhere. You can run corner blitzes. You can run safety blitzes. You can run rover blitz. I mean, you can run pretty much anything you want. Yeah, if you're, if you're sort of there pre-snap and you just line up, and what I'd love to do is just line up literally exactly the same every snap. And that, for me, would be a really, really dangerous place to be because if you're setting up more or less exactly the same way, and I think the Colts did it really well two years ago, basically you just set up 
perfectly. You couldn't tell what they were going to do because they were always started the same way. And then you can roll so many different things in. If you've got all seven defenders who can potentially blitz because someone else can cover, you're in a really strong position. But also, you can go, actually, right, we've got the three safety almost curtain around the back. Any of these players, one can drop deep, two can drop deep, all three can drop deep, or two can run up, one can run up. You can do loads of really stuff. And the more variation you have, because a quarterback's going to look down, get the ball, look up. And, and if you can change everything there, or you can roll certain players around, then suddenly they're thinking, what do I do? And you only need, what, half a second? If you can add half a second by rolling stuff around, Miles Garrett's going to be in someone's face. And you're talking about such short amount of time. You just need to put that tiny bit of doubt. And when there's doubt in a quarterback's head, that's when they like to either hold on to it, throw it away, or give an interception. The wild part about it, and Browns fans, if you want an example, like a translation of what Jack just explained, you go watch the Browns versus the 49ers last year. Watch Baker Mayfield. Baker was thinking he was going to get pressure one way, looking the other. Remember, Paul, you remember, right? why does Baker keep rolling right? He thought there was coming pressure from that strong side, so he was moving in a pocket, but it was actually clean. So you have these quarterbacks who think they're seeing, especially these young guys, if the Browns don't run the most amoeba thing against Joe Burrow week two, I want to just see some wild stuff because they start moving their feet, they roll that pocket right. It's not necessarily a right tackle or left tackle. They just think they're getting pressure, but yet at the end of the day, they're dropping seven back. The Niners were doing this all day long. Dropping seven, rushing four. The communication on the offensive line breaks down. They're calling out switches that never actually happen. And now you leave Nick Bosa one-on-one with Greg Robinson, and it turns into a, very, you know, a, quick, a quick path to the quarterback. So that's kind of what they're hopeful for is let's get Garrett, let's get these guys, add that half second that Jack's talking about, get the quarterbacks moving around, shaking and scared. And now we're going to have some, you know, the makings of a, hopefully a top 15 defense. Yeah, and the advantage and why a sort of DB can add a lot more value than a uh, sort of someone on the defensive line is because you can have a cornerback play 100% of snaps. You can't do that on the D line. If you're looking at sort of a defensive tackle, you're looking at 60%. If you're looking at a Miles Garrett, you're looking at 66%, 70% at a push. Those guys need rotation. So that's why we need that extra edge. Um, and I, I would love to see, I keep banging on his name, Vinnie Curry. Um, the D line interior is really strong. We've got four really great pieces. Um, obviously, there's no real stud at one tech, but they can work on that. But you're in a really strong position where if you add sort of Vinnie Curry, suddenly you've, you've got a solid eight that they can keep rotating. You've got a really good battle there, Goodson versus Phillips, and see who can develop. You've then got an option because we don't know what Wilson or Taki Taki are. We've not seen anything from them. The idea that he's suddenly great, he was one of the worst linebackers in the entire NFL last year. Yeah, he's a rookie, but don't set your hopes on him. He could be out the league within a year. He was um, a fifth-round pick. Yeah, he's a fifth-round pick, and he, he didn't play well. And, yeah, he's great on Twitter. I don't really care. <laughs> be great on Twitter. Do, uh, be Joe Thomas. Paul's Joe great Thomas on did nothing on Twitter, basically, during his entire career. Didn't stop him being a Hall of Famer. So take the Twitter, take the personal side out of it. He wasn't good. So don't play him. And let's just do, have loads of DPs. Do loads of really complex stuff, but work from a basic, really simple, keep it simple, and just dominate because those guys, if they're out there playing 95, 100% of snaps, suddenly they can have a massive impact. And whereas your DBs, they're dominating every snap, Miles Carrot's only going to play 66, 70%. So 
he's not going to be able there. And so you need that little bit of extra depth. Okay, here we go, guys. We're going to change the subject. Talking about Twitter, Joe Thomas. What do we think about Joe Thomas on that Titans program? What an animal. I wouldn't want to get in his way. It was so close. I, I, you sort of expect that in a Hollywood movie, how close it was, the ending. Yeah, um, less than a half a second. Yeah, because it looked like the other guy had done him, and uh, it all changed. Do you think it was WWE? Do you think it was fixed to be that close? Nope. No. Ian? No, I actually, honestly, I, my, my heart stopped for his When he came off that last one and landed and his leg buckled out from under him, I thought he blew his knee out. Because, you know, he's had so many knee surgeries. When you get to that level of fatigue, as you could tell, he was trying to stay cool. But when his leg went out, I actually, oh, boy. And then he got up. And then I will tell you, when he threw that rock on his back and started walking, I was just like, good. Because Joe Thomas and I are about the same age. And I'm telling you right now, you try to get me to move a 300-pound boulder right now, you can call NHS, you can call whatever hospital system you want. I'm going to be there quick. So overall, just a very impressive, you know, his self-awareness, knowing that he didn't pull it quite far enough to get the, uh, the hammer down hard enough. I look forward to the next one. But those hamster crawls, oh, no, 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 not for me, guys. Okay, here's a question for you. I th- thought he looked very lethargic through the whole thing, as if he had like a time in his head that he knew he had to keep to. And I was like, come on, Joe, just like a bit more passion, a bit more, you know, you're in the lead, you've lost your lead, but you win it, you know? And that was Joe, you know, like it felt like it did feel like WWE because it was just like unbelievable ending. He explained why that is. So in his last few years with the Browns, they had a bunch of guys in the Navy SEALs come in and like talk to them about performance. And he said, that was what it was. The Navy SEALs were telling him like on the courses, you focus on A to B. When you get to B, focus on C. So his mindset was to conserve as much energy going through each one, not to go so hard that at the end, because that's what I think happened to the guy that went against him. I think that guy spent so much energy to catch up after he fell that once it came down to the end, I think he was done. And that's why you watched his arms. His coordination was off. He couldn't get the little T thing in the hole. I think the reason Joe did that is conservation of energy, and it paid off moving on to the next round. Our guy, Joe Thomas. Uh, Ian. Friend of the show. Um, when is the next one Joe Thomas is on it? I have no idea. You bet, look, tell us how the show works. Is it like – so? They have, they used to do it where two people would compete against each other in these events. Cause you know, we watched it last season where you in essence have a red and a blue and they go through this thing and it's a race. So they have all these different events, some of, and it's, it's basically a battle of fit. Who is, who is going to be? Cause a lot of times you say, Oh, the bigger guy's going to win. And then these small guys come out of nowhere and just start kicking ass and taking names. So it is a glorified version of the old American gladiator show with a mix of American Ninja warrior. And that's kind of the best way to put it, mm. but I have no idea. I just, I saw it come on and I was like, I'm going to watch this. Yeah. I must admit, I was watching like four o'clock in the morning and I loved it. But um, uh, anyway, we'll move on to the next media topic, Baker Mayfield, Jack, how do you feel about Baker Mayfield's words that he came out with? I honestly don't know. Um, I really don't care. Um, get, get me TDs, get me Ws. Um, I, I completely zone out from all the player interviews because no single player, unless they get arrested, is going to make a 
slightest bit of difference um, until pre-season and season starts. So I'll hold my hands up. I don't have a clue what you're on about. Um, okay. To be no fair, there has been a lot of players arrested. Jack. Um, Ian, what do you think about Baker Mayfield? Well, first things first, on a positive note, none of the Browns players have been involved with all these arrests across the NFL, whether it's shooting up card games and all this other stuff. I don't know what the hell's going on in the league. Quarantine really got to a lot of these guys. But, you know, I, I enjoy Baker's swag. And we all know by now that he has it. So the fact that he's reserved back and said it's now less about talking and more about doing, to me, is what he's got to the point now where he's earned the point to say that. Because we don't need him out there going at Tony Grossi. Luckily, you know, they're not in the building or anything like that. Like, he's passed all that, third year in the league. It's a sign of maturity. Listen, we're, you know, let's be about it. Let's not talk about it. So I enjoyed what he said. I thought it was refreshing. I thought he was calm. Obviously, he's probably on a boat fishing in Oklahoma saying all that, so it's easier. But, you know, I, I think that it's smart to take a step back. Last year, you puffed out your chest. You got punched right in the face. You had a worse record than the year before. So I agree. Shut up. Go to work. Focus. And like Kevin Stefanski puts on every single building in the Browns episode, work. Just work. Yeah. Ian. See, I, I jumped, uh, Jack, there. Did, have you been watching Building the Browns? I have, of course. Absolutely. It's Emmy Award winning. I, how can you miss that? I, I will say, I thought the new season has not been as good as it has been in the past. Well, the only thing is you wonder how hard it's being for them doing all these satellite recordings and stuff. Now, I've heard that the Browns may be bringing some of their employees back to the office in the next couple weeks. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the production value ups. Because you're right, these in-home interviews, like, oh, look, Joel Batonio's holding his baby. Great. Like, I'm happy for Joe. Joe's a great guy. Joel, I should say. Joel is a great guy. All the best to him, but like I, I, him and a baby, okay. Or like Grant Delpit sitting at home getting drafted. We all knew you were going to get drafted, buddy. Are you okay? So. Okay. What about Jack? One for you. Do you think we're going to get clowny? Um, I still think we're certainly in with a shot. Um, and if I had to guess he lands somewhere, I, I would say we're probably still the favourite. Um, the stuff that was out there doesn't bother me. Um, he didn't want to sign. I don't think he wants to sign now at this point anyway. It makes no sense. Um, value is going to be lower at this point of free agency, but teams have got salary cap. Um, he needs to go and do a medical if he's going to get big money. Um, and until that's safe, yeah, well, why would you sign? So I think once teams are able to fly him in and he can then do medicals, I wouldn't surprise him if he goes and visits a few places around the league and signs. Um, I think timing was a big factor. But there's other rumours out there. Does he want to be a number two opposite of Miles Garrett? That, that has been a question that we don't know the answer. Until he signs somewhere, um, when he signs somewhere, it will say it's the place he always wanted to go, as all players do. So it probably means nothing. But... Um, yeah, I, I still think certainly we're interested. Um, and yeah, it, the, the outcome of it is definitely one where I'm thinking, hey, if it's one-year deal, happy days, I'd have him over Vernon. Um, and if it's a multi-year deal, hey, well, where does that leave Miles Garrett? Ian? Yeah. Um, Schefter had reported kind of that same thing about him not wanting to be a number two, which was odd to a lot of them because that's when he had his best season is when he was opposite of a healthy JJ Watt. Um, 
But to your point, he's not getting the money he wants. And all this talk, like if he wanted to play for the Browns, what they're offering him is enough. I almost think it's probably the 15-5 that Vernon is. It's probably just a direct swap. Um, and he's not willing to take it. My guess is he probably would have loved to go back to Seattle. I think he tried to call their bluff. And I think that when they sold the jersey number or they gave the jersey number back to the guy that he bought it from last year, I think that was their way of saying, we don't want you back. So it, you just have to wonder how a number one pick from not that long ago is going into his third team. So it's just one of those things where he'd be a luxury piece, but I'm not looking at him as like a Reggie White, Miles Garrett type of acquisition. I mean, he's a good number two, you know, but do remember Olivier Vernon had more sacks than Jadavion Clowney last year in far less games. Sacks don't matter. It's a poor stat. Yeah. Except when you're on Seattle's defense, when you're the number one guy. Miles Garrett only had three sacks. You don't think everybody in Cleveland would be like, why is that? Yeah, but his pressure rate was less than the league. That, 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 that's where the important thing was. Yeah. Horseshoes and hand grenades. Everybody gets close. All right, guys. Last question. Do you think the NFL season is going to go ahead first week as it did last year? I think it will go ahead. I think it will be behind closed doors. Ian? Full stands, full go. No, I think all this stuff is going to come down and we're going to have the exact same type of uh, protocol. I think maybe the preseason games might be a little dialed back just to kind of get their feet wet. But I see week one being no problems. They're going to fill them up. With all the information that's changing about the stuff, I don't know. I just, I don't see how they're going to take away that, that experience from the people that need it. There was a really good idea out there from Deshaun Jackson. He said, look, if we're playing behind closed doors, let's mic up all the players. That would be awesome. If you're going to watch it from home, how great would it be if every player was mic'd up? Be on HBO. All right, guys, let's finish up there. Um, we've got loads of great shows in the pipeline. That's absolute bullshit. I've got nothing planned. So, um, <laughs> but as soon as the... Um, as soon as the season gets going a little bit and hopefully there's more to talk about, we'll come back on daily. But I think at the moment, once a week on a Sunday, us free catching up is the most you're going to get out of us at the moment. Yeah. It's one of those ones. If there's an OTA in June or something like that, we can go that route. You know, shout out to all the new front office guys, you know, Quezzi Adolfo Mensa coming over from the Niners, our new VP of ops. Um, you know, shout out to him. Really smart guy, you know, adding people like that's nothing going to help. Gregson got his senior football advisor title. Um, I saw that Glenn Cook is now VP of player personnel. Kovash is VP of player personnel process and development, I believe. And Dan Sagany is now director of player personnel. So very rounded out of staff this week, brought in some really good talent. So good things to come. Yeah, I was really excited with the men's to hire. I don't know personally much about him, but when you look on Twitter and everyone who's, I consider, really smart football people are going wild about the move. Um, we're not just talking Browns, we're talking NFL-wide. Then you know you've got a good guy. So, uh, no, really, really impressed with the hire. And I, I really like the Grigson hire. People will look at the negatives um, of what happened, but quite frankly, how would people have viewed John Dorsey if he got the quarterback that he wanted initially for Kansas City, which was Johnny Manziel? Suddenly, looking at NFL draft picks to value whether a GM's good or bad, it's such a poor sample size. You only get to see the output. You don't get to see how they had their board, who they actually really liked over someone else. Um, and 
The other really good thing Grigson brings, he brings a different style of thought to the people like Sashi, like um, Andrew Berry, like Paul Di Podesta. And different thought is really, really important because if everyone's going in exactly the same direction and we've heard our big unity and everyone on the same pages, I actually want different thoughts sometimes when they come down to that meeting. So I was really, really happy with the appointment. I think it's a good hire. I don't want him as my number one, but I do want him in that front office. All right, guys, I'm going to finish up by saying go Browns, hurry up season. It's that classic time where we just need it to get going now. How many weeks until the first preseason game? Because Ian, I know you love preseason. It's one of my favorite things. First week of August, Bears, Browns in Chicago. Week two, Bear, or Browns, Packers in Lambeau. I'll be at both of them. I'm not missing preseason game one or preseason game two. Guys, I'm working out in my head now. We are eight weeks away for the preseason. Yes. That's not long at all. Can't wait to see Benny LeMay and the running backs just tearing up the town. Excellent. All right, guys, go Browns. Jack, thank you very much for your time. Ian, thank you for your time. Absolutely. If you're listening and got any questions, please DM any of us. Any abuse, please give it to Jack. Any history, advice you want to give to Ian, give it to Ian or talk about bagpipes. Ian's your man. Go Browns. Go Browns and stay safe. Go Browns. <laughs>